Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Okay, welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. Dr. Sonny Spira still sitting in for Drew Burns. Today, we have my good friend, Dr. Ron Kaminer, who has talked to us about practice purchases. And today, as we sort of alluded to, is we're going to talk about getting patients to say yes, keys to effective communication with patients. So Ron, with that, welcome and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sonny. Always fun doing these things with you. This is going to be a fun one. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, this is fun. This is this takes up a lot of our communication usually when we're out on the phone talking to each other. Can you believe this? This happened. <laughs> and especially when you are adding and putting in different parts, right? It's so important that the training of your docs and people are your assistants and everybody is, is you know, speaking one tongue, you know, having the same language. No question. So let's go with it, man. So let's start. What, what, what do you think are some of the keys to getting patients to say yes? You know, I think as I see dentists, the biggest problem that most dentists have is the inability to communicate. And I, I've always, when I see period, teach, right? Just inability to communicate, period. 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 And I break it down into three people. The ones that can communicate, great. The ones that can't, no problem, can be fixed. The ones that have the biggest issues are the ones that they believe they can communicate but they actually don't. And that encompasses a large part of that pie. You have people that think they can speak effectively, but patients don't, don't say yes, staff don't get it. They don't have successful practices. And let's define success right now, very platonically as successful practices are one that's financially successful, one that's making money, just for this conversation. So I'm not, don't judge me. But for this conversation, successful practices, the practice is financially successful. Because at the end of the day, you and I both know, if you stuck a crown in with an open margin, if the patient has no pain, they're not going to know the difference, right? But the dentist will know, obviously, but the patient won't. But they will know how you spoke to them, the way you spoke to them, if you spoke to them, if you hurt them, if you hurt them, how you were able to communicate to them that it's not going to be so bad and so on and so forth. So communication skills is, to me, the key to almost every successful dental practice. And, and the key too, Ron, if you think about it, I think you have to have some definition of what success means because you could be doing everything right. And if you're not collecting the money, if you're not getting the financial side of it, you know, like, oh, I had a great month. I did a hundred thousand dollars. What did we collect? You collected 30. Well, you know, that's, that's, you know, you, you might have be really good at one thing, but at the expense of something else, that's not really going to cut it in the reality of the real world. So I, I agree. I think for this conversation, I think that's how we have to define it. So keep going. And by the way, Sonny, the collection part, that's communication skills too by the front desk, right? How they're Correct. trained yeah. to speak properly. So, so I think, listen, this can go on for hours because there's so many aspects 
of communication skills. But, but we've spoken about this on the phone a lot. I think that dentists have to recognize that if they're not doing okay, very much it boils down to how they're speaking, the way they're speaking in their body language. And the simple thing to do is to go get trained, get take a public speaking course, go to Toastmasters, get yourself trained. I always was a decent communicator, but openly I've been professionally trained twice by, by speaking coaches because I, you know, I speak and teach all over the place for 20 plus years. By someone ripping apart every sentence that you say, how you say it, how you look, the way your hands are, the way your eyes are, you now get trained to understand what you're giving off to other people. Have somebody video you and do a presentation to your family on anything that you want, but have someone, because there are certain things that even when I was speaking, that my hand could have been in my pocket or I could have held a podium when I wasn't behind it. Those, a speaking coach will, will claim that those are distracting to the audience. And so there's, there's a certain thing. Here's another quick way for someone to get a quick judge. Go watch three or four TED Talks. Anyone who's on TED Talks must be professionally trained before they hit the podium and you will see their style. So there, and there's keys and components to how we do this. And we can talk about breaking down a new patient and things like that, but it comes from first having the baseline of speaking skills. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Okay. So for those, but, but let's, let's say, all right, so you take your average dentist who's not really on, you know, speaking tours is not, is not a person, you know, public speaking is right. What single greatest fear, right? Most people no have. So how do you, how do you handle it? So my first 500 times speaking, there's butterflies every single time. How do you handle presenting a $75,000 case to a patient with confidence? It's the same butterflies. You may not feel the butterflies, but you'll start to start fumbling and say, well, um, you know, it's going to be like, and I mean, really, it's going to be, and you're going to start using what is called in the speaking industry, filler words or nonsense words. Those are what we call nervous words, words that we're throwing in because we, our thoughts are not directed and they're not presented in a way that's fluid for the patient to understand. Those filler words are extremely distracting to the patient and they also now show to the patient that you may not be sure of yourself or you're scared of presenting this case. You know, listen, you know, very often a patient will ask me, well, how much is going to cost me? I'm not going to say to them, go talk to my office manager, you know, it's, it's going to cost me X. I'm going to throw a number at them in the chair. Why? Because I got to get an idea if they're willing to do this or not. So I'll say, what's going to be expensive. It's going to be somewhere around $75,000. And I'm going to get one of two responses. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Or I figured that. I figured that I'm done. I, ex I didn't expect that. I got to work it a little bit, baby, at that point, because now on a full mouth case, these people have a Mercedes concept with a Schwinn bicycle budget. So now you got to figure out how to navigate that. But as to your question, the same butterflies happen in front of 800 people than presenting big fee cases. And so you have to get the skills down the basic skills down so you can tackle anything, a presentation, anything from scaling and root planning or periodontal therapy, as we call it, up to an aesthetic case or a full mouth reconstructive case. I mean, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I, I, rem I remember the one time I, the, the, I was an associate and the one doctor says, he, he says he, he, he was talking and his example was he had a patient, nice little, you know, sweet little Italian lady. Um, that I knew her daughter went to school with her and, and, and he said, 
she uh, just like got uh, sort of got up in his face and was like, how come your crowns are so expensive? How come there's so much? You know, and he said, so the person has you literally back on your heels. And then your your response really comes from your gut. And you really have to, you have to be able to handle that. What would you say? Like what would come out of your mouth? And if you're never put in those situations, like if you've never talked in front of a few people and you've never done, you, you, you've never been uncomfortable or been pushed like that. So you just avoid it, oh, I, I, you know, and that's, that's sort of telling. And I think the key is being able to have an answer. That's, it may not be the right answer, but it's an answer that you're comfortable with and you can defend. Sonny, how do you get a free throw with two seconds left in the game when the game's on the line? You've practiced it a thousand times and you block everything else out. You have a routine and you go in and you, and you nail the free throw, right? It's the same thing. Right. But when you practice, you try to mentally put yourself in that situation. You don't just stand there and shoot at 15 feet with no thought. That's easy. I can hit it when nobody's in the gym. But have I created, you know, a virtual reality of me being at the free throw line with, you know, people screaming, you know? No question. So, so what are, what are some of your other thoughts on how, how so, so talk so, so, about maybe just some of the objections and some of the things that you're seeing, how, how are you handling some of those things? So, yeah. So, so let's talk. So let's first go from the baseline. Let's talk a new patient. How, how do you deal with a new patient? Right? So one of the things a speaking coach will tell you if I'm speaking in front of a group is I have two minutes to make an impression. So that what we call, we call it the hook. The hook means how do I hook my audience in? I walk into a room in my new practice. How do I hook that patient in who's been with the, the deceased dentist for 40 years? It's hard, right? Think of the concept. It's hard. I'm walking in. They don't know me from a hole in the wall, and I got to make an impression. So the first thing I do, and maybe I paid for it this week because, you know, I'm sitting home right now with COVID. The first thing I do is I pull my mask down, and I say, hello, Mr. Smith. My name is Ron Kaminer. Don't say Dr. Kaminer. They know I'm a doctor. I don't need to throw it in their face. I'm Ron Kaminer. Nice to meet you. Now, almost every time the response I get is, Ron, nice to meet you. My name is Greg, or my name is Jim, or my name is Carol. I've broken the ice. The hook is there. I've broken the ice, and now I know we're good, at least in a initial meet we're good. I didn't talk about dentistry yet. I've looked at their x-rays maybe in another room, but I know that we're good. So now, because I know that we're good, my presentation is going to go in one direction. Now, if I got, hi, I'm Mrs. Smith, or the patient was very apprehensive, my presentation might go in a different direction, but I know we're good now. So I'm going to tell you a scenario that happened last week in the office. And this is interesting the way it went down. 30-year 30 30 year patient of the practice. Woman comes in. She's a 60-year-old nurse. She has, a, I have a hole behind my front tooth. I've already looked at the x-rays, took a full set of x-rays. She has six veneers from 6 to 11, crowns on 12 and, uh, on 12 and 5. And I, and I look at her. So I walk in. I say, hey, my name is Ron Cameron. She goes, my name is Mary. I said, nice to meet you. I said, Mary, this is going to be a tough first date. She looked at me. She goes, are you effing kidding me? Just like, I knew we were good. Now, at that point, I know the way this is going to go. I'm going to have to tell her tough stuff. But she's going to, she's already, I've broken the ice. She's going to be good. I hooked her. So she says to me, all right, don't even tell me. How much? More or less than 10,000 bucks. So I look at her with a smile. I go, oh, more way more. She goes, all right, tell me what's going on. Now I began to explain to her and show her what was going on, how she had some unrestorable teeth. She needed some implants and stuff like that. She started questioning the dentist that got, that was, that was deceased. This, this work is five years old. I knew I shouldn't have let him do it. First thing I said to her, I said, Mary, understand something. He didn't, he did a good job. Your teeth are nice. Things go bad. There's different ways to do things. So let's not go there at all. Let's move forward. I'm going to take her away from a place that she's thinking and bring her forward and get her to a place that she's going to be happy. I said, listen, you're going to lose some teeth in the front, but at the end, you're going to have a gorgeous smile. So one of the tricks when you have to present 
to me, when you have to present tough dentistry, especially to a woman, the hot buttons are beautiful, gorgeous, stunning. You're going to have a stunning smile when it's done. You're going to have a gorgeous smile. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some money. But at the end, you're going to have, if it's a young girl, you're going to have a hot smile. Those four words are so powerful in presenting aesthetic dentistry to women. The minute you say it, it puts a smile on their face, no matter what their teeth look like. So the first thing is the hook. You've got to hook them in. The way you introduce yourself, your demeanor, putting a smile on your face, introducing yourself by your first name, not Dr. So-and-so. I know a lot of people don't subscribe to that, but it's worked really, really well for me. I don't know what you do, but it, re it works really well for me. And you need to break the ice with what we call the hook. Oh, well, I, I, you know, you have to establish, I think, you know, I think the, the summary is the patient has to understand that you care about them, right? I mean, that, that helps so much. Immediately now you're, you're like, you know, okay, so in this scenario, they see you as a, 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 as a peer, right? As a person that you're on a first name basis with. Okay, you are a friend that we can now have a conversation or a dialogue with, not just a kind of a dialogue. So I can speak, you can speak. And I think they really, I, to me, is the most important thing is listening. How much do I listen? And how much do I give back? You know, for example, like when she says, this is going to cost me a lot. You know, you, you know, you can almost answer a question with a question. Say, you know, is, you know, what, what's, you know, what are some of your concerns with the finances part? Well, you know, I, I just had this and well, it opens up and well, okay, well, you bring that back in later in the conversation, but you know, there's lots of different techniques, but I do think that listening and, and, Empathy is huge. They gotta, they gotta know that you care about them. Then the rest of it's a no-brainer. Thousand percent. You know, listening is such a critical aspect. You, and this is how people unfortunately lose patients. The patient comes in, they want their teeth white, and then the dentist tries to sell them ten veneers. That right away they're thinking the person's money hungry. They're not listening to what I want. Right. You're thousand percent right. Listening is it is is 1A or most important in this process. There's no question. Yeah. Thousand percent. Yeah. So, all right. So, so, so that's, so that's your, so that's your baseline. So that's your new patient. That's your start. What are some of your other, other uh, points about getting to so, yes? So, so the, the other thing is that what a speaking coach will say is that a listener likes stories, meaning that, and that'll work well in dentistry also. You know, Mary, I understand you're scared and you're apprehensive by doing this, but I had a woman just like you six months ago that I treated, we all have these patients, right? And she was scared like you, but after eight months and going through all the work or three months, she couldn't be happier how much she's smiling and how well she's eating. So patients using stories and analogies, analogies really, well, favorite, yeah. really well with Weasel. We use a ton of analogies, a ton. Mm -hmm. and so that's an important thing. Dentists make a mistake of talking down to patients. And you have to realize that, we, we, we realize that patients, even though they think they know as much as us because of Google, they really <laughs> don't, they don't, right? But you don't need to show them that every step of the way. So. And if you talk about, well, periodontal probing depths and pocket depths and attachment levels and, you know, your bone, they don't get it. They don't care. You need to give them an analogy that they can understand, that they can assimilate with so they can say yes to treatment. So when we talk about, let's say, periodontal care, I'm not going to talk about bone loss. I, I may mention the word, but... It's, you know, my analogy, we have the same spiel every time my hygienists have it down to a science because they heard me say it a million times. And, and, and I tell them, listen, you have gum disease. Gum disease is like having, is full of bacteria. It's like having termites in the house. You, if you looked under the floorboard, you'd see wood shavings, but you don't put your foot through the floorboard until it's too late. In your mouth, you got termites, you got loss of bone. They're eating away at your teeth. Your teeth are not falling out of your mouth yet. That would be putting your foot through the floorboard. So you need therapy. And in order to get that therapy done, we have to go through so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And just like termites that need repetitive treatment, 
Your gums are going to need repetitive treatment, not every year or two years the way you've been coming, but every three months. So we use the analogy of termites, the analogy of preol bacteria, and then people understand. Otherwise, they walk out and they go and they say, "Am I getting my cleaning?" You know, they're not. It, 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 they have to give them use those analogies, and you're big on that, so you you know exactly what I'm talking. Oh, uh, huge! I had one the other day. It was kind of funny. I was just talking about the probing depths, like you said, right? What is probing depths? And this is a patient we've seen. And, and we're, we're trying to, we're trying to be much more diligent with our periodontal um, diagnosis and therapy and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, not have our hygienists think they can perform miracles every six months, but you know, they really need periodontal therapy, you know, so talking about the probing depths and I said, well, think of it as you have a, you have, you have pocket on your pants, right? And your pocket is three feet deep, but your hand can only extend a foot, a foot and a half. You can't reach the change in the bottom of your pocket, right? Well, that change is the bugs, and the bugs are what's causing all the problems. If you can't reach the change, you're never going to get it out, right? And I can give you these tools, and you can go home, and my hygienist, and she could go home and with you, and she can't get to it routinely. So we want to make your we want to make your your pants pocket shorter so you can reach your change. You know, that's, was, that's a good one. I'm gonna use that. It was it was funnier now. My hygienist was looking at me. I go, it's a new one, right? She goes, yeah. I go, yeah. I just thought of it. <laughs> so you see, you just said something that you laughed through, but it's really important. The key to communication, you gotta be able to think on the fly. You gotta be able to think on the spot. You got it. Now, this is going to sound terrible. This is going to sound obnoxious, but I'm just going to say it because it's the truth. You got to be able to bullshit ethically, but you got to be able to BS. You got to be able to think on the fly. You can't, I'm not telling you to lie to somebody, but you got to be able to think right on the fly when, you know, you know, if somebody, especially, I'm going to ask you a question. You're the one asking the question. I'm going to ask you, you have multiple doctors in your practice. And now a patient comes in and one of your doctors put a crown on that has an open margin on it three months ago. You see it on a routine exam. The patient doesn't know the difference. What do you say to the patient? I'll tell you what I say after. But well, assuming say? they have no symptoms, right? Nothing there. They have no symptoms, but it's not the way Sonny would have done it. I'll look at the x-ray and I'll say, you know, looking at this, this tooth that we just restored, something here just doesn't look like, like normal. And... Although it's not bothering you, not giving you tr trouble, I think if it stays this way, it's just not really going to be the right answer for you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to Doctor X and and chit chat and see if there were some, you know, some things that uh, that arose and and you know. But I will promise you this: we're going to replace this. We're just going to take a little bit of your time, and we'll take care of this. And you really shouldn't know any difference. And you might even be upset with us for doing it and taking time from you. But when I look at it, I know it, I know it can look better. So let's make it look better. And you know what? It's exactly what I would say. And this is why you are who you are. And this is now you just bullshitted, right? You, you weren't on. You weren't totally honest. But you got to protect the integrity of the dentist. You want to do right by your patient, and most importantly, you're going to make it right. But you're going to use your communication skills to take a bad situation and make it good, right? And that's what I mean. You have to be able to temper situations with words with words yeah, they, yeah the patient needs to know that we're on the same team right like we're we're on the same team and we're only interested in what's best for you you know so you said in another podcast that i'm painfully honest and i really am right <laughs> i inserted an online last week on a patient the patient came in for a cleaning they took an x-ray and i couldn't believe it my because i feel things all the time my my gingival box was open on the omelet on number 31, freaking hate number 31s, right? You have to give a block and everything else. I looked at the patient. Now I got to dance around it. Ron Cameron did it, not the associate. Yeah. I looked at him. I said, listen, something doesn't look good to me on here. Maybe some of the cement washed out or something like that. I need to make this better. I have, I'm going to get you back in. I'm going to fix this. It's a hybrid ceramic onlay. I numbed them up. I cut a little tiny box in there. I put a class two composite adjacent to the onlay. Totally fixed, problem solved. But I used my words. And this is where dentists don't, they have to learn to use tempering words to get out of difficult situations. 
it's, mm-hmm. it, it's it, one of the things I tell everybody in my office, and I'll say it here, which is a really important takeaway from one of the important takeaways from this. Everything I say in the office, everything to a patient, I say for a reason. It may be casual chit chat, but there's a reason. That casual chit chat could be maybe I'm softening them up for a next appointment or something else. Maybe just having empathy, like you say. Maybe I'm saying things in such a way because I'm going to show them a big treatment plan. But everything I say, I say for a reason. Mm-hmm. Nothing comes out of my mouth just because. No, I, I agree. And there's times when I've seen patients uh, who maybe are not normally in my hygiene schedule. And I might be talking to them about what I'm looking at and I'm, and I'm seeing some large oversized fillings and the conversation conversation that I'm having is, you know, what I'm seeing here is you, and what we're checking for is, you know, um, you know, anytime there's a, a gap in a filling where the filling meets a tooth or, you know, now assuming that you have no symptoms, which you said, nothing bothering, nothing feeling anything. And, you know, and we're looking at it. And these are things that you're going to be faced with in the future. You're going to need to restore these. You're going to need to have this. And, you know, obviously you want to fix it before it's broken. Most people do, or be a prepared for it should it happen. So I want you to be aware of symptoms for right now, but just know this is a conversation we're going to have later with one of our docs. It may not be me. And, you know, we'll be talking about doing some crowns or re- even just replacing some fillings. And, and you know, why is because we don't want it to get to the point where it's a disaster. So, Sonny, you know, I, we call that planting seeds, right? You're planting seeds for future growth is really what, yep. what's going on. You know, my exactly. line. You're not letting it, you're, you're, you're not just wasting, you're not blowing smoke. You're literally saying these are situations. So, and then now the next conversation, yeah, you know, you did mention, or, okay, or they come in and there's a problem with the tooth. It chips, it cracks, it breaks, or, you know, it's not treatment plan, but they should have been, you know, what have you. And that's kind of what you're probably seeing in the practice that you just started is, you know, holding it back. Cause you could treatment plan 12 crowns when you're looking at it, but you really got to kind of prioritize things and kind of get a feel for the patient where they want to go. So, so let me, let me to that, let me give you the most powerful three-letter word that we have in our arsenal to use with our patient. And it's the word yet, Y-E-T. Has that tooth down there, the one we spoke about, has it bothered you yet? Has has that little, has a little chip there? Is it rubbing against your tongue yet? Yet becomes an action word for patients. Why, should it bother me? Should it be rubbing against my, what's going on with that tooth? Has that has that pocket up in, in the gum on that upper right? Do you find you're getting any food caught up there yet? Are you getting any bad taste or bad breath in, from that back area yet? Yeah. So the word yet becomes <laughs> such a powerful word to use in a conversation to get patients to say yes. That's huge, man. I just this podcast is worth it for me for that. That's a good point. You know, it's just a great reminder and. That is a good point, you know, and, and, you know, patients, right. Cause patients, you're not being offensive. You're not, you're not, you're not saying, well, is it bugging you? You know, it's like, has that become a problem yet? Well, yeah, you, you're, you're kind of implying that, you know, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's unhealthy, you know? Right. And it's so much more powerful if you planted those seeds, right? So if you planted those seeds and three months later, they come with four months for a recall. And now you say, that tooth in the bottom right that we spoke about four months ago, is that bothering you yet? You know, yeah, so have you, had, have you had any symptoms with cold yet? Yeah. 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 yeah, they, yeah they, one time I was having lettuce and I was biting on it. I was like, I didn't know what it was. Well, it might it's be such it. a powerful word. It's we, 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 no one thinks, no one thinks about it, but I use it all the time and people say yes all the time. It, it's just such a powerful word really to use. And I'll use the line with patience. Well, you have a choice. You're going to be proactive or reactive. Proactive, you know, it's, it's going to bother you. So you can be proactive or reactive. You can wait till it breaks, but don't come to me if you split your tooth in half. I'm telling you now that that tooth will break. So proactive, reactive is something we use a lot in the office as well. Yeah, and people are starting to really understand what that means. I remember when Stephen Covey started using that with the seven habits and stuff, and it was sort of a, right, a catchy tune. And so you had your execs and your big higher ups and businesses understood, but not the average person. Now the average person understands that. 
you know, being proactive versus reactive. I find the other thing that's important is, well, what do you, what do you do for a living? Or how do you feel about going to the dentist? Oh, I hate coming here. Oh, okay. Well, probably one of the things you should look to do is when you have the chance to restore or the need to restore some teeth, you probably want to restore it long-term, which will cut your visits down. What do you mean? Well, if I place a filling in here, albeit a medium or a large size filling, it's like painting your house. I know once I paint your house, I'm going to need to paint it again. Okay. So that filling I know is going to need replacing at some point. And at some point you can't fill it anymore. So you could go ahead and put a crown on something like that, which may be maybe a step shy of absolutely necessary, but know that it's going to require a lot less maintenance. That's kind of like, instead of painting your house, you put siding on your house. It's a more long-term, it's a long-term solution. And I think people can kind of identify with that. No, I agree. Listen, totally agree. Again, using analogies, we go back to the, to the base, to the baseline stuff, using analogies and, and having those analogies work for you. And, and like you, I'm sure your staff, your team must use the same analogies all the time. So it's like, a, and that's the thing you get into routines. You don't have to think to communicate. If I walk into a hygiene room, the, the patient will say to me, yes, yeah, she told me already, because she's already ha has, has gone through the same spiel that I'm going to go through because we've trained them what to say and how to say. And, it, and I mean, in hygiene, I mean, when we're talking about periodontal therapy. And, and, and there's one important aspect I don't want to forget when we touch upon that. If I want to talk therapy, the word cleaning, deep cleaning never comes out of our mouths. Because patients only hear one thing. They hear cleaning, and cleaning means 80 bucks. It doesn't mean therapy. So we'll use periodontal therapy. We'll use removing the bacteria and tartar from under your gums. But we're not going to use ever use the word deep cleaning. Deep cleaning is a no-no in our practices. The term never, ever gets used. And we don't use scaling and root cleaning because they don't know what the hell that means anyway. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of dental. I remember dental school. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right. So we're, we're going to remove the tartar and bacteria from under the gum. We're going to put an antiseptic rinse. We're going to use a, a low-powered laser to kill the bacteria. We're going to use base, basic terminology that they can understand. And then your gums won't bleed afterwards. So those, and, and we're going to show them the benefits. Your gums won't bleed. You won't get bad taste. You won't get bad breath. So those... We'll, we'll tell them what we're going to do and then explain the benefits that they're going to get on the back end because nobody wants to go through this stuff. So you have to show them a derived benefit. Well, hundred percent. I think you always, right. You always got to, you know, the benefits are, you always got to talk benefits. How about, so talk, so we've talked, you know, a lot about, right. The patient's part. What about just in terms of, of your team, right? What about just in communication with your team, like conversation we were talking about yesterday was, you know, when you're talking to somebody, there's no eye contact, they're looking at the floor, you know, like, just talk about that. So let's say, let's say your, um, your assistant comes to you and they say, you know, oh my goodness, you know, my son's sick, I, I've got to go get him at school, you know, or I, I, or, you know, or they come and they say, you know, my son is sick and, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Or, you know, and it might either impact your practice or it just might be something of a personal nature that they want to talk to you about? How do you handle it? So, you know, eye contact is the number one way one can show empathy, right? Looking them in the face. It can also be very intimidating for most people. Uh, it, it can also be intimidating for the recipient for someone to look them in the face. But you can show a ton of empathy by looking someone in the face. I think when someone comes to you with something, the most important, two most important things you can do Number one is listen, and number two is show empathy. And I think if you do those things, you're a winner in the conversation. It's, it's a hard, the hardest thing for most people to do is not to show empathy, because they might feel empathy, but it's to look somebody in the face. That becomes very, very difficult. One of the dentists I just purchased from looks down at the floor whenever he speaks. So looking someone in the face whether it's a patient or a team member is extremely, extremely important to convey that empathy. And I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, 
it's it's funny it's funny you mentioned that you know it's it's such a small issue but empathy is i mean there's so many nonverbal cues right and, and and there's verbal cues and then there's nonverbal cues you know you, you know are you, are you, first of all are you looking at me are you standing in front of me one of the things i don't like is having x-rays on the computer behind them and i always i always literally i i address it i say listen I'm sorry. It's rude. I'm standing behind you. I'm talking to you. I'm looking at the x-rays. I'm going to apologize right now, uh, but I'll come around and I'll answer and we'll talk about anything you want. And I'll put it up there on the TV so we can look at it together too. But first, let me review back here for a second. And we'll be talking as we're reviewing because they're looking at what I'm looking at at the same time, you know, but it's just acknowledging the fact that this is not proper formal you know, this is not proper communication. Proper communication is we're looking face to face on the same level. If she's sitting down, I'm sitting down. And Classic mistake dentists make. They talk to the patients while they're laying in the chair. Yeah. Classic mistake. Well, it's su you're, su you're such an inferior position, right? I mean, you're such a helpless position. And you're talking to somebody who speaks Greek and Latin, right? So. Listen, and it's also the way you're presenting yourself, your body language. What are you giving off? There's actually a great TED Talk, one of the most viewed TED Talks by a woman named Amy Cuddy that's called Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are. She, they studied like, like animals in the, in the safaris and in, in, in the jungles, and it, they showed how body language showed who was tough, who was not tough. And it's interesting that you'll learn that the, your body language actually kind of shapes who you are, who, you know, who's the most important person in that room? Not the patient, it's us. It's how we're presenting. If a patient doesn't say yes to treatment, it's not their fault. You know, I can almost attribute every time a patient doesn't say yes to treatment is that I rushed, I was double booked, I didn't have enough time, I didn't listen. I'll always criticize myself first. I'm not perfect. I know what I'm supposed to do. But I make mistakes like everybody else. I try to make not a lot of them, but I'm for sure I make the mistakes. So yeah. those are, they're, they're all important aspects that there's not one magic bullet. These are all critical components to being a really good communicator. Yeah, active listener, I think, is what I, the term I've heard used a few times. And, and that's something that I've struggled with. And, you know, one of the things my team did for me, which was like they will come to talk to me, you know, in, you know, in the hallway. And I'll, I'll have my mind on a million other things. And, and sometimes I'll have the phone and whatever it is, and then they'll talk to me. And I, I, it, I didn't, it didn't register, right? So they said, one of the things that you have to do is you have to just give us a signal, just put a finger up. And it's like, okay, that means, give me a second. I'm not listening to you right now. And that was a game changer. That's as simple and as stupid as that was, game changer across the board. Now I actually, they actually know that their opinion is valued by me or their, whatever they have to say is important enough that I don't want to listen to it. It's, you know what, it's, it, it, listen, we're busy, right? So I, I get that and it's important. And sometimes you have to just make the time too. You got to figure it out. If it's something really important, you got to just make the time and figure it out. But at the end of the day, your team needs to know that you value them, you listen to them, you listen to their opinions. You may not agree with their opinions, but you listen to their opinions and act on some of them if they're if they're extremely valid. There's no question that's important. Yeah, I mean, it's, and like I said, you know, and you run a busy practice, you've got three or four or five balls up in the air, as, as do I, and, and, and everything needs a little bit of your attention at some point. And things change through the course of the day and you need to have your finger on the pulse as best you can. And you need to keep people doing that. But you also have the, you know, the present moment right in front of you that needs your attention too. So it's, it's juggling and balancing, but it's giving due, due respect to each thing in its own way. So that was a big plus for me. So, so talk about some of the things that you've seen. What are some of the big mistakes that you've seen? some of the dentists and some of the team, you know, people that have been in your practice underneath you. So yeah, I've seen plenty. Um, so I, I think one of the things is rigidity, not being flexible, walking in with a treatment plan saying, here's what we're doing. They don't want to do it. They're out the door. Well, not everyone's got, you know, a big budget. Not everyone can do everything at once. Not everybody, people may want the best, 
everybody wants the best, but they got to figure out how to get there. You can't be rigid. You got to be flexible a little bit with patients. I think that's really, really important. You can present everybody with ideal, but you have to have an alternative treatment plan for someone that's not ideal and not lose a patient. I think that's really important. The second thing is classic mistake, like we said, people talking to patients while they're laying in the chair. They, they, it's an inferior position. You're, you are already in a superior position by being a doctor. So like you said, you're behind them looking at x-rays. I'm in the same situation. I'm always putting it up on the screen. I'm always taking my chair and spinning it in front of that patient and looking at them, sitting at the chair, sitting them up at the chair. So we're equal. And now we're, we're really eye to eye. Too many people will talk to patients laying down. And then, you know, a big thing for that, that people and associates have done is because they're not confident in their speech, they use a lot of filler words or what we call waste words. Okay, yay like, yeah like, really, um, things like that instead of having a direct conversation. Now, I use an um here and there too, but I bet you if, if you replay this back and listen to it, I'll use one or two ums in the whole thing, maybe. I think I used one earlier, I've been very conscious. One of the ways you break that is you have to practice. So a speaking coach would say, if you have a habit of using ums or ah, uh, things like that, start speaking and where you would put the um out loud, say the word period. So for instance, I'm taking my car to the garage to get fixed. And um, then I'm going to meet you at the diner. I'm taking my car to the garage to get fixed, period. And then I'm going to meet you at the diner. That's how you practice. Now, once you get that loud period and you do it enough times, you now translate that sentence into, I'm taking my car to get fixed. And then I'm going to meet you at the diner. That period becomes a pause in the sentence. So you're not filling it with like and really and um. So that's a training. You got to train yourself for these things. Don't you, so don't you sometimes have to get comfortable with just some silence too? 100%. And that's, but that's why people use ums, right? Because they're not confident with silence. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I think when you, when you speak out, like you give a person a question, and before they answer it, you're jumping on because you, you're uncomfortable. And I did that as a young dentist. I did that often. You know, like, how does this sound? And I know it's, you know, like, and, and before the patient says, well, you know, I've got three kids in college and, you know, I'm faced with some financial challenges. I, I, I never got to that point because I never allowed them to. Because I didn't stop and shut the hell up and listen. I mean, I, as simple as it sounds, it was hard to do. No question. So yeah. now the other thing that you say about being comfortable with silence when it comes to a patient, it now allows you to read the patient. Look at that patient in the eye. What are they doing? Are they moving around in the chair? Are they nodding with you? If they're nodding with you, shut the hell up because you're done. You don't have to talk anymore. But right. if they're like fidgeting a little bit, if they're rolling their eyes, you now have to do more explaining. So that pause allows you to evaluate the playing field and see what direction you really have to go. So that's that's a mistake people make all the time is they're not comfortable with the pause and they're using filler words. And I think the last thing is that is really, really critical is the way people speak, meaning monotone, blah, no emphasis, no pace, no tone, no inflection. Mrs. Smith, you know, you have problem with your gum disease and I'm, we're gonna take care of that for you by um, doing some periodontal therapy. And um, at the end, you'll, you'll be okay once we get everything going. Or, Mrs. Smith, you have a problem with your gums. We're gonna take care of that for you with periodontal therapy. Once the therapy's completed, your gums won't bleed, you won't have bad breath, 
you will not get food caught in your teeth and you'll be able to smile without any pain in your mouth. So it's pace, tone, inflection, and pauses. And once again, a speaking coach tells you how to train that. So what they tell you to do is put your family in the room over dinner or sit at the dinner table and count one through 20, but not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Mrs. Smith, and we go, and using that same pace, tone, and inflection, now incorporate your diagnostics and your treatment plan and your communication skills. That is a simple technique that for, it, it's a simple technique for kids to learn because they can't commun communicate today with all the texting that's going on. But it's a great technique for any adult to learn a speaking technique and especially a dentist to improve their case conversion and their speaking skills. Just speak with pace, tone, and inflection. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I think uh, one thing that I find when we do some role playing with different things, certain people get, you know, anxious, nervous. It's always a slight uncomfortableness. But when you're done, there's always this feeling of deep satisfaction that they've learned something, that they've come somewhere with it. Do you do any of that with your associates? Yeah, we saw so I was scheduled to do a whole session with them like this tonight. But unfortunately, I got bit by the bug. So, um, but yeah, we don't do it often enough, but we, you know, I just hired an associate, I told you, and she followed me for seven weeks. And I said, I want you to hear how I talk, hear what I say, how I say, how I talk to patients, how I act in front of patients. And I've never done it before. And I don't know what hit me over the head to do it this way. And I'll never, ever hire someone again if they don't want to do this, because the things that she's learned in six weeks some stuff she's realized, but some stuff that I've seen, she doesn't even realize what she's incorporated just by following me around. You can't do your thing on Zoom? You can't do a session that way? I was going to do that tonight, but I'm feeling a little lousy, so I'm probably not going to do it tonight, but I could. I think it'd be better in person because... Always what, better in person. What, 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 I have them, what I want to have them do, what I had them do as part of this is they need to present a three-minute presentation, and I'm going to rip them apart at every word. So I need to be there in front of them saying, seeing their hand movements, seeing their, their body language and stuff like that. So while I could do it on Zoom, it just wouldn't be as good on Zoom. No, it wouldn't be. It definitely wouldn't be. I was just throwing it out there. I was trying to give you, not giving you the easy way out, man. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's wrap. Any, any uh, further, um, you want to contribute anything further on the, the um, keys to effective communication? You just said four on Sunday in that sentence, just letting you know. Did I? You know, probably because I was looking down reading this and I was trying to keep up and I hate <laughs> using notes. I would so, much rather talk off the cuff than anything in the world. <laughs> so much easier. Listen, at the end of the day, communication is practice, right? Yeah. If you're willing to invest in being better, it's not about taking an implant course. It's not about taking an endo course. It's about taking speaking courses and improving your speaking skills. At the end of the day, if you do that, you're gonna be really, really successful. And, and, and no matter, but if you don't, no matter how good your hands are, you're not gonna be successful. And again, we define successful in the beginning as having a lucrative practice, one that does well. You could, you could create the most gorgeous crown and bridge in the world, but if you can't talk to people, no one's gonna know about it. Yeah, and I think you also, when you have the skills, it certainly helps to have the verbal communication portion to present the advantages that you're able to provide for them. And then what are the benefits and the value to the person? If you can walk the walk, you got to be able to talk the talk, right? Vice versa. And you think back in dental school and some of the people that you, that we went to school with that other people go to school with and you think, Oh, this guy's got great hands, but you go to have a conversation with him and he crawls in the locker. Like, that's uh, probably going to struggle. And then the other fella or gal who just could talk to, you know, a pole and they're going to be able to communicate really, really well. And 
that's fun. It's fun to watch and it's fun to have time and, and, and the ability to look back and reflect on it and say, yeah, I remember this and this played out kind of how we thought, you know? So it's been fun. I, I agree. And I think the biggest challenge as you grow is trying to get everybody speaking that same language in your office, all your providers, all your practitioners, I believe is the preferred term, not providers, we're practitioners to the patients. And then your team is going to pick it up for sure. And I, and I see that as well. And you know, as well as I do, you leave the room and the, and the assistant, the hygienist can carry the conversation on. I know what he's going to say and I know what they're going to see. And there's a tremendous value in that consistency across the board. Agreed. hundred percent. All right. So hopefully we help some folks out today and help them get some patience to say yes and keys to effective communication. And I also think one thing we didn't talk about, but your communication in your personal life is a reflection in your professional life as well. So I find the people that have the most, you know, sincere communication at home with their kids or family. Uh, for me, it's in coaching, you know, coaching with kids and, and different events helps me communicate with my team and the people that I see every day. So I agree. Agreed. Okay, brother. I appreciate you, man. Feel better. Get better. Antibodies kick in. And uh, be well. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.